0: Your name is Stryker? Yes, it is. That's fire. (laughs) Wow. I love sandwiches. It's called Tuna on Toast. I, I, I spit. I don't know what I'm doing. I love music and I love those that create it. Stryker's says Tuna on Toast. Yes. Tuna on Toast. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Tuna on Toast. It is Ted Stryker and I'm the biggest idiot in the world. First off, Jace Fincher and Butch Walker from Marvelous 3 in just a minute. We did this interview a long time ago. Since then, their full-length album is out. I've played the clips from this podcast on my radio show. I thought that I had posted the podcast, and over the last three weeks, I was thinking, nobody is commenting on the marvelous three tuna on toast episode. I must have really stunk. Nothing was good. And then two days ago, I went to Spotify And this episode was not there. Then I went to Apple Podcasts. Where's the Marvelous 3 episode? It never loaded. And shame on me for not doing the double check or triple check, but also no. And this is what I think is a cool aspect of Tune On Toast. It's basically a one-man operation. A shout-out to my friend, uh, Corey Irwin, who does help me on this. But that's it and so i just feel like a total nitwit especially to the guys who came over to my house we had such a fun time hanging out they could not be nicer and they're so talented jace fincher i'm going to start with him he's 33 of marvelous three you want to talk about a good energy and a good vibe it bleeds out of his pores and then you go to butch walker i mean this dude walking in the house he glows as well so we immediately had a good vibe and i've talked to butch over the years just super talented marvelous three had not been a band together for years maybe like 20 years so they're back there's a full-length album out and if you want to be enthused and, uh, and inspired when it comes to work ethic and friendship and battling maybe a demon every now and then and just being very self-aware this is the episode for you so thank you so much for being part of tune on toast and this little community we got going and if the guys from marvelous three are listening right now i apologize that this was not posted before. You can throw a pie in my face just like at the end of the movie Grease. Remember? put a pie in the puss! A pie for charity! Revenge of the Nerds! Now I don't know which one. Okay, let's, let's quit while we're ahead and let's get to the episode. Without any further ado, please welcome to Tuna on Toast, Jace Fincher and Butch Walker, Marvelous Three. Hey. hey, there they are. About, hey, hey. Have what's a what's seat. What's happening, man? Here, oh, get, the, get, the, get the one. Oh, I don't care. Choose any seat you want. What's happening, man? Nothing. It's good to see you. It's so good to see you.
1: What's, uh, what is, what's the big word here?
0: The big word is that nobody is more excited than I am that Jace <laughs> and Butch together are at my house right now.
1: The Marvelous Two. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah we, slug is here in spirit right now. We got 66% of the marvelous three. Man, Jace, I'm just going to go to you first. I don't know how much yapping you've been doing with people like me, but what's the vibe for you internally with all this right now? Oh,
2: man. It's like, uh, I feel like a freshman prom date right now. You know, it's like, what are you going to wear? I don't know. What are you going to wear? You know, all the little nuances, we text seriously, uh, like we're back in high school again, like we're getting ready for that. First gig when you were in a garage working it out and doing all the things and literally all the small things. What if we did this? What if we did this? What if we, you know, we hadn't even started jamming again and we're all, I mean, up. Hairs teased up. Whoa, 16 hour fastings. <laughs> <What>? <laughs>
1: gotta 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 be fifty-three going on twenty-eight again. Yes, so it's yes. it's wild. But it's been so fun. You know, we never stopped being best friends or ever. And and I mean, I've known this guy since I was sixteen years old and played with him since eighteen years old. So right. the fact that we've gotten that we've stayed that close made this just Super easy. And with Slug as well. We should keep talking about Slug since he can't be here, but we all three live in, we live in three different States now. Um, but you know, Slug, he, I started playing with Slug in a band when I was 16 and that's when I met Jace and then our bass player at the time who we loved and, and every, and, and had a great connection with, but when we moved to LA uh, in 88, to pursue being in, in an original band together, We actually, uh, our bass player decided he didn't want to do it anymore. So, and I said, well, I'm calling fucking Jace. (laughs) And I called Jace and he got. And what city, where was Jace at? Was this somewhere in the Atlanta area or where the heck were you guys? I had just gotten back to
2: Atlanta because I'd already been out on tour for a while. And so I had just come back and they were like, they knew my situation. So he was like, You wanna come? And and by the way, Squirt Dog was the bass player's name <laughs> and it's now Dr. Squirt Dog. So he went Good home and became a doctor.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. Brian Kirtland <laughs> yeah. is his real name. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, awesome guy. And like we still talk to him too. We're all very connected with all of our like our buddies from our youth. And uh and of course that led us to, you know, being in bands. Obviously Jason and I and Slug were in bands all through the nineties. Uh, until we finally settled on being the Marvelous Three.
0: And so. that debut album, late, like 1997, I believe it was. 98, I think. Oh, was it 98? Maybe. Well, 97
2: 90. was math and other problems. Yeah, we did yes. have a we had an, yeah, indie 80, route, an indie right. album
1: that came out first, but it kind of was like not really the band until the next record you're talking about, which is called the Got hey, it. hey album. Right. Yeah.
0: But and you're saying in the late 80s? You guys came out to L.A.? We did. Yeah. You did. where but we were okay. kids. Where did you move and did you live in the same apartment or condo? Whitley of and Yucca. <laughs> Whitley
1: and Yucca. Uh, <laughs> yeah, on the same road with like right across from uh, Frederick's of Hollywood on Hollywood Boulevard. And yes. And there was five of us maybe in a one bedroom. I think there were five of us split in the rent. There was about eight or nine living there. In a one bedroom, unair conditioned apartment, you know, uh, just a, a rundown motel vibe looking apartment. Just like every other band uh, in that era, and uh, we came out here to, to chase it, and uh, and that's where it all started.
0: And what was it about the three of you and all? Jason, Jace, Jace, I'll go to you on this. You're in mm. LA, and there's a zillion distractions. But the goal is to be a successful band. Was it easy not to get pulled and be distracted and focus on the band?
2: I think, for us, it was because you know when you when you uh, when you have the same vision, and when you when it's right, it's right, and when it's wrong, it's wrong. We always knew it was right. And we always knew no one ever told us we couldn't. So we always thought that it was just that easy. We could. We were going to play arenas. We were going to be an arena rock band. We're going to rock your balls off. We're going to bring it. We're going to slam in your face, <laughs> make you look like Pez dispensers. Listfully and we're going to do it. it we we're going to do it if there's five people paying $5 a night or 50,000 people paying, you know. $50 a night, whatever, whatever the price is, we always put on the same hard rock and go for it show. And we mm-hmm. just always thought we could and knew we could. So we were never distracted by drugs, by partying, by any of that. Not to say we didn't We bring, drank our we, fair share. We did, we, we did. Like, we did. But,
1: but our goal was always uh, to, to be successful in music. And the the thing is, is we, it was so, the, the blissful ignorance that I'll say again is yes. like is what was the beauty of that era where there was no internet yet. <laughs> right. There was not anything to tell us, you shouldn't do this. This is going to be too hard. And there was a lot of people telling us that it was going to be too hard. Mostly jaded older guys and bands that had tried it and failed, which as you know, any form of success uh, is like, getting struck by lightning it's like a one percent chance it's very 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 difficult but we didn't know that it wasn't obtainable for you know three dudes coming out of rome georgia rural georgia yeah we didn't know we just figured every band well you know guns and roses going back to them the the biggest video on mtv at the time was welcome to the jungle and in 86 maybe and uh you know, it portrayed the beginning of a dude, a farm kid from Indiana Walking getting off, off of bus, a bus, getting dang, off the bus, wearing the flannel right. and
0: the shorts, and yeah. that was yes. absolutely
1: not a stretch. Every mm. band that hit the Sunset Strip in Hollywood at that time was coming from some farm town doing the same thing, and so we just assumed it was going to be uh that it was going to be easy and we could do it. We were good enough. Yeah. That's what we said. We're, we're good enough. Yeah. We're, we're, we we're can do this. I think, why can't, why, I think why if we, we would have known too much, like yeah. it we would've, we would have never done it.
2: Yeah.
0: Which, were there any bands that you opened up for, are they open for you, or it's an open mic night? You're playing super early on, specifically in LA, and you saw the band and were like, shit, those guys are good, and you lo- lo- maybe lost one percent confidence, or that never happened?
1: Oh, well, you, as far as back then, yes, uh, which is which this predates the Marvelous Three, obviously, um, uh, by a good five, six, seven years or whatever. Um, or 10 years almost ten years. but like we uh we actually went out there and we were very surprised at how many bands could not play mm. and we were all <laughs> to our credit we were really good musicians like we 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 worked hard at being killer musicians we had everybody could sing everybody could sing we had like you know we had harmony we had everything we had a singer who could sing his ass off and I was like a little shredder and Jace was a killer bass player and Slug was like a complete gorilla on the drums. And everybody out there was so there was a lot of good players, a lot of flash, and a lot of great outfits. <laughs> uh, but not but not songs. <laughs> right. And we were like, right. God, we were so surprised. We'd like go see this, we'd see whichever band was selling out the Roxy or the Whiskey on a Friday night. Cause if you were doing that unsigned, you know, at the time, you were making Waves and and you'd you'd open up all the local magazines and there'd be all these glossy big pictures of these local unsigned bands that looked amazing and had for the time it, it, that that wardrobe anyway right. yep uh, and were dialed in and looked like they all probably had some sort of financial backing because they were all done <laughs> up to the nines and then you go see them and go like these songs fucking suck and yeah. like nobody's really singing anything or writing anything go- you know that we thought was that great. And so it, and that actually fueled us to even go harder and be like, let's let's just really focus on songs. And I don't think we were necessarily the best songwriters in the world either, but we knew we were better than a lot of them.
0: And, and not looking like what was happening at that time on the Sunset Strip, was it easy for you guys to stay on target, Jace, with like, this is what we do. This is how we play our songs. This is how we dress. We're sticking to this. We can't waver off that. Yeah.
2: I mean, it... Y- The era he was talking about, it was hard to, you had to be somewhat in the pocket, but not completely. And we were all individuals, not to say we we weren't influenced by some of our peers back in the day, just like we all were. But, uh, you know, I I own my lips, you know, lip service stretch jeans, just like everybody else (laughs) did, you know. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I think uh, we were very much focused on us. And I can remember us uh, we you, we had to pay for rehearsal by the hour. So we would go over there it. and we would bang out the the band stuff, but then we would come sit on a couch with an acoustic guitar and work on harmonies because that wow. was something we could do for free. Wow. And we would just make sure over and over and over. And we used to do this song Boston. We, yeah, we did that. the song structure. We did this wow. Boston cover. We opened and our shows <laughs> with Brad it. Brad Depp. Rest in peace, brother. But I mean yeah. he could sing his ass off, right? And they all all that. And we would do that. And I remember back then no one was singing
1: harmonies like that no. anymore. And people were like, Excuse me. And we'd come out and open our, our show with tape. rock and roll band by Boston. And not many bands w- would try that. Yeah. Because it was like that that those records were over the top with like layered giant harmonies and yeah. like everything. So we're doing four part harmonies mm-hmm. and we're nailing it and people are like, holy Shit! <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, so it did help. It did, it help, did help get us to uh, to stand out a little bit, and then eventually ended up getting our band signed. But that was fleeting as well, you know, because it was the needle in the haystack uh, uh, at that time. Of that, it was the last, you know, gasp. It was a freaking um, blessing, is what it was. Oh yeah, that we didn't get big actually. We, yeah, we, we just got enough. Say? Yeah,
2: we got enough mm. notoriety that people knew who we were, and we had a we had a, a, a small platform. But then we could reinvent ourselves without being pigeonholed and getting slammed in a, a we little got real lucky that We, we got didn't, real lucky that we didn't get
1: famous.
0: <laughs> well, hold yeah. on a minute. I want to discuss that in 10 seconds from now. At what year did you become the Marvelous Three? Ninety- 90- Six, seven, seven, nine, 97. 97. Yeah. And that Math and Other Problems was an indie record that you guys put out on your own. Yep. Yeah. Right. And then getting into the second one, that's when Elektra Records found you at yep. some point, right? Yep. Yes. Okay. How did that go down?
1: Um. So we, okay, I, the Math and Other Problems record was a side project thing that I was working on actually at the time because Jace actually wasn't in the band for a minute. He was yeah. actually, I mean, it wasn't that we weren't, we were fully supportive, but He was getting ready to have his, they were getting ready to have their first kid, him and his wife at the time. And he, and we were in a band together um, that was a whole different thing that between, you know, the band that moved to LA and what became the Marvelous Three, we had a whole other band that was touring playing the college circuit and like kind of more just like party jam, like, you know, blues rock and stuff. And it was fun. And we put in 200 shows a year for like, you know, most of that decade we did. But like that, we were really going hard in those four or five years leading up to that. And then when when Holden, his son, his oldest uh, son, was uh, to be expected, I couldn't stop. I was like, I was single at the time and I didn't have anything but music. So I just went and started making a side project just for fun. And I did it. And of course, Jace being my best friend, I would still go to him and go like, will you listen to this and tell me if this is any good? Nice. You know? So I was bouncing it off of him, you know, first and foremost. He, first, he, I said, wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. And then he really loved it because it was like really us diving into our power pop influences that he and I both had before we ever met each other yeah, when we, we were grew kids. Up on. Yeah. And so Jace was like, after they had their kid, you know, Jace was like, man, can I, can I be, can I get in, in on this? And, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, of course, man. Hell yeah. I mean, so it became just the three of us from that point forward. It was me and, and Jace and Slug. And that's kind of how that album happened. And it was really just a setup for us to go play some shows and, and around Atlanta locally and around mm-hmm. the Southeast and play to some of the fan base we had already cultivated with the band prior uh, and it took, it, it really took People really started to love it And uh, and then that's when I started writing songs for The Hey album
0: And that yeah,
1: leads up to whatever I'm sure there's a
0: lot of things you want to ask About that so. I do, now this is like 98 when the album is out So you're recording those songs beforehand Was someone backing you? Were you going to like one of those oh. $10,000 a day oh, I studios? Got this. Like, <laughs> geez, I got this one <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so first of all, the math and other problems were recorded on ADATS, which looked like VHS tapes, and we literally were recording in an old uh, automobile barn that had spaces between the wall. And it was really cold, but the great thing is you didn't have to go outside to take a leak; you just pissed through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we had we had like two good mics and one preamp and a, and, a, and a and a or compressor or... that was on my bass rig. And that was that mic, that preamp, and that compressor. Were what was what? being recorded at the time, whatever was the most important thing. Might be on a kick drum, might be on a guitar, might be on a bass, might be on a vocal. But that was all we had. Mm-hmm. And that right there is where Butch got his tools together, right? He's like, if I can make this sound good, what can I do with real gear, you know? Yeah. So uh, – Fast forward, uh, we're, we're recording Hey Album. Um, Mr. Walker here uh, tells me, he's, come over, I got something working. He's in a garage apartment, right, on an old 8-Bus Pro tool system. Which seemed like the state of the art at the time, you it know, was like well, the first Mac yeah.
1: ever made. The first like, Mac, I'd never yeah. even worked on a computer, I didn't even know how to turn one on. Yeah,
2: wow. so he's in there working, and uh, I show up and he opens the door and he looks like Brian Wilson. His hair was crazy, <laughs> he's got a pair of saggy drawers on. Yeah. You know, I'm like, Man, when was the last time you changed those drawers? It was all white briefs, you know, with the white tidy whities that were no longer tidy, yes. they were not really even whitey. So, uh, was, he's, he's got that on, and, that he, was about the and he's 4, like, 000- Did you coffee and i said did you tell me to bring coffee I'm, I'm, he, goes, yeah. he goes i think i'm gonna go get some coffee and i said yeah 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 we'll go get go get some coffee he goes i'm gonna get a shower and i said great idea yeah, you know yeah, i yeah. at least change the underwear so uh <laughs> and and he goes hey let me show you a song i'm working on which was freak of the week and he goes he goes getting you know and he tells me some ideas he has some in his mind and i won't reveal those but um It has something to do with XTC, but... uh, (laughs) Uh (laughs) XTC, the bandages to your Yeah, he said, you remember? And I said, yeah. And he said, just think about it, but don't don't really think about it. Don't go listen to it. We didn't have internet or phones, smartphones to do that. But I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we did that, and I sat there punched myself in it out while he was getting a shower. And he ran, got some coffee, came back, and he goes, That's it, dude. We're here. <coughs> Yo, da, da 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 Well, that I want you to know that that eight bus system and that song and that mix that he did in the apartment is the one you still hear on the radio. We wow. paid all the algae's. Not the ones that are in the water. We're talking Chris and Tom. We're talking the big mix <laughs> guys. We had, had, it, yes. When yeah. mix
1: guys had three names and, yeah. and got three points on your record, boy, <laughs>
2: <laughs> very well said. But that all, we had all these people doing these remixes. I think we had uh, three or four people do remixes.
1: Mm-hmm. And the one you still hear today is, is the one that you. It was did in the box, there. the eight bus system <gasps> and a computer. And awesome. the, you know, the drums were recorded on to two tracks. Like it was like no separated uh, toms or 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 anything like that. It was all just on one stereo track of drums and pretty hey, funny, bus. but I was learning. That's how I was learning how to record. I was in like the 4,000th hour of t- of my 10,000 hours at yep. that point. Yep. Oh, dude, uh, you were. 4,000th hour and four showers. Yep, four showers. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's
2: where the gift set of, you know that that's what he was created to do just because it's mm-hmm. just, he can make anything work and it always is great. He's so, a song guy, so he's nice talented, he's a great He's a great engineer, but he's also a song guy, and he can play any instrument, and he can nail it out, and he can do it, and it's just—it's been a blessing and a man to see your best friend doing mm-hmm. what he's doing mm-hmm. now, yeah. and knowing what he was meant to do the whole time. You're like, freaking a! The universe mm-hmm. got it right,
1: <laughs> you know? They, everybody got it right. Well, but what was cool was I didn't have a soundboard uh, for myself you know i and so you can get inside your head when you're spending all that time buried into your work and you can't back out and have a a real wide angle look at what's good and what's not and i didn't even care about freak of the week really i didn't even think that that song even mattered i just thought it was like a something i wrote that was like an obvious song cuz i was like being anti obvious (laughs) rebellious at that point in my life and trying to write things that were quirky and weird and whatever, or, or for power pop anyway. And it it took someone like Jace who listened to it from a wide angle lens and said, that's the song. And I was like, really, really? I was like, why don't you listen to this one? Listen to this other one. And it took that for me to take that song seriously enough to even like want to play it for other people that got on board and made the song, you know, what it, what it became, which was a pretty good hit, you know, for us. So the right people heard it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Jace, what you just said about your guy here, that was so sweet. And to know that you have been cheering him on when he's been doing his thing and you're doing your thing. That's just lovely to hear. That's the good vibes I'm (laughs) looking for in my life. Never. That's so cool, man.
1: We never stopped like, checking in with each other the whole Mm -hmm. time that we were not in a band together. I mean, when we, when, when we could get into it later or not, but you know, it, when things got a little darker and we had to split the band up, there was like, you know, there was no like replacing members or anything. It was just like, it's over. And, um, as bittersweet and sad as it was, uh, it never stopped our friendship. And so, and Jace more so with me than me with him. I think I can honestly say, checked in with me constantly like always like calling texting just never stopped and that's invaluable when you have somebody when you have a a friend like that that will like you know when you can go 3 months 4 months without talking to each other at all cuz everybody's so busy with life and then that person will call you and you answer it right away and go and and they're just like how are you doing how's your head how's your heart blah 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 that's all big things <laughs> you know are, those are the words i always <laughs> i love those words i love those words and it was like not anybody else was fucking asking me that ever well usually it's it was because people, people asking me for favors yeah, and shit they had like agendas. that and yeah cuz when things get like when when you start like having some success as i was starting to have as a producer and a writer and then all of a sudden everybody you know not to sound jaded but people want something from you all the time and so there stops being those calls that are that are asking how you are instead of asking, what can I, what can you do for me? Right. And so that was never Jace ever. He, I mean, we didn't have to do that because we'd already put in our 10,000 hours together on the road. We never thought we'd probably, we probably never thought we'd ever play together again. Cause we'd already played 200 shows a year together <laughs> for it. a decade straight. <laughs> and if that's not enough to make somebody like never want to see another person again, I don't know what is, but it was never the case with us. It just was not, We just didn't know that there would ever be a professional uh, relationship ever again. And that was okay because more importantly is walking away being friends for life. And that's me and Slug and Jace. And so that's why it was kind of serendipitous uh, that we that we are where we are again now.
0: October 13th, a full length Marvelous 3 album is coming out called four the IV yes. IV, which i want to ask what it, does IV mean because you're old and you have something in your arm you're not old or is it oh no you're we're getting old. it and, and no, no, you're you, getting you, this, you guy guy. it no, no, I, <laughs> you nailed it no, 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 you nailed I'm it i'm actually gonna actually show gonna you the song titles in the heart and i'm like wait a minute what's going on here <laughs> well, uh, am i on well track? The, al-
1: the album cover right yes is <laughs> it, it, it says uh it says m3 four and it's M3 and the and the Roman numeral 4. But yes. I'm going to show you, uh, let me see if I can find it, of course. <laughs> uh, I'm going to show you, you know, what the actual inside of the album looks like. We can talk, keep talking because it yeah. might take me a minute. Okay, but...
0: while, while you're looking for that, and I want to talk a ton about the new song I'm going to play in my show, plus the album. After Ready, Sex, Go came out, yeah. you mentioned Dark Times. Was it Dark Times for you individually, Butch, or was it Dark Times as a band? I'm not sure I know that story fully transition all yeah uh you know you know transition
2: uh, uh brings tension in your life because you the, the not knowing what's coming next is always the anticipation of knowing what's coming next it feels good when you know what's coming but when you don't know what's coming and you're in transition it becomes very uncomfortable and as people I don't think we like to sit in being uncomfortable but that's where growth happens that's where cool things happen that's where New people were introduced to your life, or new things, or better things, or whatever it might be. I think that's what he was talking about. It, it was it was dark spaces of not, no no drug addictions, no weird things going like that. It was the 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 thing of not knowing what's coming
0: next because we well, were in what, transition. What was potentially coming next that you didn't know? Was it the career of you guys with the so called music? Scene well, well, he was, was going solo.
2: Yeah, Let's, he was but, going solo. But, but,
1: but yeah, but you know what? Th- though we should talk about that. We were scared as a band because that was a really weird era for any for a band like us. Because we, here we yeah. were, this band that had put out this power pop record where we're wearing like skinny jeans and eyeliner in '98, mm-hmm. which there wasn't a lot of bands doing that. No, y- yet. <laughs> And we always joked when it finally started, like when Good Charlotte and all these other bands, like years later, all of a sudden they're like, have this My image. Cam. Uh-huh. And yep, I was yep. like, I was like, oh, five years too early, 15 years too late. Is that what we were? We were kind of like in this weird fraction. But, um, but you know, it was a weird time to be that on the radio and anywhere else. And I remember, I remember specifically even playing a show In LA, Marvelous Three, on our first album when Freak of the Week was a big song, and we come out on stage and we have on, like, you know, eyeliner and skinny jeans and everything like that. And this is when, like, it was like bands look like roadies. It was fashionable to be like in Jinko's and like, and rap metal was starting to just go ballistic Mm -hmm. and be huge. And it was all like Mad at Your Dad rock and all this. And we weren't that. And I remember. Unfavorable remarks from industry people, some people in radio, even that were playing the song, and they'd see us and go like, "Oh, that's no, I don't know. We don't. We're we? Where's your? Where's your weird beard? And where's your like, you know, jinkos and you know that kind of thing? And so it was kind of, we felt like a little bit of a a a square peg in a round hole. But then on, and then after Electra, you know, uh, really didn't want to work anything after Freak of the Week when it ran its course at radio. And everything was still sales driven, uh, with record album sales. Right. And the album came out late because we were chasing a hit. Because the song was a hit before we had a record deal. No one wanted to touch us. And Leslie Fram, God Lover at at x in Atlanta, yes. started playing our song on the radio in Atlanta because she heard. Again, I walked into her office. Uh, with Steve Craig who was one of the DJs on who was a fan and had a local show right and started playing love our songs. Yes. And and um and he I I went and after Jace was like, Freak of the week, that's the song. So I took our little independent C D R over to the 99X, played it for Steve Craig. He got up, interrupted Leslie in a meeting and said, You need to hear this right now. And I was with him. And I walked and I sat down and I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? What is going on? This girl's like, you know, she's w- like, she was one of she's the tastemakers at that time yes. too at, at modern rock radio. And, um, and so, um, she heard 30 seconds of freak of the week and said, that song's a hit. And I was like, really? <laughs> Again, I was like, I but see you knew. He knew. <laughs> knew. That's what I mean. Jason yes. knew all along. Yes, And so I, uh, I was like, oh God. Okay. So she's like, well, I'm going to start playing it. And I was like, oh, what and then, and she was like yeah don't she's like, don't sign anything with anybody yet. God. She was that confident, and uh and I was like, Well, we can't, we can't get arrested. everybody's turned us down oh yeah. my God. I was like we have God. no we had no labels <laughs> like everybody passed on us, and then she said, Well, that's gonna change, and then it the phones lit up it was it was a number one request, and then all of a sudden, nice. and then k rock and then everybody else started playing it, and yes. it became like a it was climbing the charts, and we, we were, didn't have a record deal. We were
2: twenty three with a bullet, still didn't have a record deal. Twenty
1: three so, yeah. with a bullet, so we didn't were, have like, a
2: record. Come on, buy, buy the buy the CD. Uh-huh. We're missing, you know, we're, so missing, we're missing. a 10, window 10, 10, here. You we're know, missing. five ten thousand sales a
0: week, mm-hmm. easy. Yes,
1: easy yes. at that point. Of course. So the single peaked at like in top five, uh, and we didn't have an album out. And so, of course... But they, could anyone go buy the
0: single at the time? No. Oh, I don't know. I don't I think so. No. I mean, because you guys are doing great in life, but that's probably like 40,000 units a week yeah. when you're being played in Atlanta, that size market, mm-hmm. Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's being played everywhere, and people are singing it yeah. and know it. And I, mm-hmm. I was living in Tucson, and I was on the radio. We were playing it on my station there before I, I, got, before yeah. I got my gig yeah. at K-Rock. Yeah.
2: Wow. I, can, I can and, tell you a funny story. We had record companies... East Coast and West Coast, flying us in private jets for us, me and him to go meet with them, trying to outbid the West Coast or East Coast office because they want to be the office that landed us.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow!
1: And, and when we finally signed, it was like you know we 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 had to we had to get a record together real quick. The record wasn't ready. There was not you know I, we were still like recording pieces of it, yeah. and um and and so in anyway you know long story short, it peaked and Electra didn't want to even bother with a second single because they didn't have any record sales to back it up on the first single that was a hit. And so they just kind of said, that's it. And we were like, well, they said, maybe start thinking about your next record. And we're like, okay. So we had toured, we'd done some, we'd gotten to go out and obviously do a lot of touring and doing radio festivals everywhere and doing our thing, which we were a very seasoned band by that point anyway, uh, just from the years of us doing it on the road. And, um, Then we're like, okay, well, let's make things even harder to market. Let's make a big, over-the-top arena rock record when that's absolutely not fashionable. And so we made a big, like, Def Leppard-sounding, like, you know, Pyromania-sounding record that followed that up, and I think the label didn't love it they on first listen i remember the president being like i don't understand this and to be fair she came from hip-hop and didn't she she wouldn't have thought this was something that was cutting edge or cool you know Mm. i can remember but
2: ironically uh uh, atlanta guy la reed loved us Mm -hmm. and tried to get sylvia at electra to let Let's go because he wanted that
1: record really bad. And, and then the, and, and 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 they us. held us hostage and wouldn't let us go because they didn't want oh, to I'm give so it up to somebody sorry. else, right. but they also didn't want to promote it. And um, that's why we, and that leads to your last question. That's when things got really dark and we were like, I think we were starting to take it out on the bottle. We were starting to take it out on tour, like on each other. Tension was high. My ego was ballistic uh, and I was stubborn as fuck and didn't want to listen to anybody but myself. And I think we all just started checking out. And um, well, but we, we loved gone. each other.
2: Three hundred shows for two years in a row. Three hundred yeah. shows. And I was, I was like, oh my gosh. You yeah. Know. And
1: you're not being able to see your family at yeah. home, I mean, and I'm not being able things. to like. Th- I'm not getting what I want out of this. I've, if you can get my drift, I'm just not. We we yep. weren't. I wanted us to be bigger. It was frustrating. The label wasn't giving and a damn. You've probably
0: seen some other bands... Yeah. And it's hard not to compare your own talent and skill. Why is this happening for them? And why are we just sitting here?
1: Well, you get tired of uh, hearing that from those bands who were all, we were all, we had a lot of friends in big bands and we were all like festival buddies and things like that. And everybody would just come up and go like, God, what's, what's the deal with your label? Why are you guys not huge? And blah, blah, blah. And they'd oh, see us play live. And, yep. And, yep. and that's enough to get inside your head. Yeah. And it's enough it to is. make you think that like, okay, maybe we're just not good enough. I don't know. Maybe we missed our window. Maybe we fucked up by like not completely following in line with what is in style right now and all that. And we tried, we went out there and tried to make our thing work live with all these, we're on bills with disturbed and stained and all these like very heavy bands. And we're, we're a power pop band, but we're out there and we're, you know, we're just, i that's when it started to feel forced, you know, we're out there like flipping the audience off and being like, yeah, fuck you. And right. like, you know, throw oh. shit at us. And it's like, <laughs> that wasn't our thing. We were more of a very fun celebratory band live. And, uh, our true fans got that. And especially Atlanta being hometown, we'd play hometown shows and we were bigger than most, like most national acts that would come through there. So by the time it was over, we were headlining, you know, a concert to, you know, 20,000 people downtown, you know, uh, and headlining music Midtown festival and things like that. Those were our last, those were our last shows as a band. We did
2: music, music Midtown and on the bricks, both over a hundred thousand people. And then did the big day out to 30,000 people and headlined them. them, Headline. And
1: knowing we were breaking up. And, uh, so we did our last show advertising it as our last show ever, um, at concert on the bricks. And, um, and that was very emotional for us, you know, super emotional and, and for fans, you know, cause I mean, whatever in our small little world, uh, we were a lot of people's world, you know, and this was our world, you know, it was our life. So it was like, what, what next? You know, everybody, like you said, it was like, what next? So that that's what ended it.
0: I hope you guys, thank you for sharing all that. I, I think the answer is yes, but I hope you're proud of everything that you accomplished over those years oh, as yeah. a group. Like you, re- It is hard to do. You made a lot of racket. People knew the talent that was happening from the three of you, and now we fast forward the 25-year anniversary of the Hey album, and then Marvelous Three is putting out a bunch of new songs. Yes. I've heard the album, which is not out yet, and it's awesome. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You. Jace, why are you guys doing this? <laughs> it's funny.
2: Um so we, we went on vacation together, uh, celebrate some, you know, live stuff. But we went down and we had decided that, hey, let's let's do this thing. Why not? Let's do it. We're doing it for us. Mm-hmm. We're doing it so we can get together. Because when we hit the stage, when we play together, when we're, when we're together, there's some magic, little fairy dust stuff that comes. Gosh. And we don't know what it is or mm-hmm. why it is, but it doesn't matter. It just always shows up. doesn't matter how long we've taken a break, whatever happens. So Butch is like, you know, I do have a studio. If we're going to do this, why don't we just record some songs and we might have something new or fun to play. And I'm like, shit, bro, they're all new right now. I mean, you know, we go back, (laughs) we got three albums and it's all going to (laughs) be new to me. Yeah. But, uh, he did, he did, he had, uh, he had gotten a cartilage or something fixed in his knee and while he was sitting around, he had, uh, demoed some songs because, Butch can sit in a bed and demo a song that sounds like it's supposed to be on the radio. (laughs) And sent sent, uh, Slug and I like five songs, which was great. So we decided to just go ahead and do it. So we booked a weekend because we do everything really fast. We Mm -hmm. always have. Mm -hmm. We showed up knowing those five songs. We recorded the five songs. So we're sitting there. Having a little pour of tequila because we aren't teetotalers, but you know we're <laughs> really? having a little pour of tequila. At the end of the day, we've already recorded like sure. you know well, the we'll four or five songs, and, and we're having a tequila and we're playing songs. The, the old whistle, uh, uh, old gray, what is that? That show that old you, gray whistle old, test? Yeah, the old gray whistle test. We're just doing this stuff, and I said Butch, play a uh, she Sheila,
1: and he goes yeah, and we listen to it. And I guess we had had
2: just enough that's Reposado. A, that's, a,
1: that's a band. It's it's by a band called The Producers out of Atlanta. Out of Atlanta. You know, very, we always very, loved wait, them. Did you guys
0: redo that song? Yeah. Though? Very yes. obscure band. I very obscure. From the 80s. Okay. And,
2: uh, and, but we always loved them. And mm-hmm. Bush looked at me and said, yeah. And I guess the Reposado was really kicking in because right at that point, the eye <laughs> contact, we looked like, okay, we're going <laughs> to record this tomorrow morning when we get up, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. which we ended up doing it because now at this point, it's like, let's don't do an EP. Let's just do a whole record. So, uh, we had done five songs. We did the covers, got us to six. Butch had a couple more ideas. We worked those out. The last one that we recorded and worked out in the studio right before we were leaving was Let It Burn, the one that, that that's right now, yeah, that was going on. And single, and then later, um, Curtains, the last song on the record on the second side because it's record now. Yeah, side one and side two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it used to be when I was growing up, uh-huh. but side two. Curtains. He sent and kind of uh, sent it digitally. I, I threw the track on it at the house. He, we sent it to Slug. Slug threw the drums on it, mm-hmm. and then he then he put all the sauce in it.
0: But yeah. that's, this uh, sounds so fun. Yeah, by it, the way, yeah. Dude, the, hey, Chase I, and the album is great you. though, man. <laughs> I, we're I proud it of it. it but it's it's, real it's good.
2: It doesn't sound like we took a break. It really sounds like where four should have gone, where the IV should have mm-hmm. gone. Yeah. It was.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nailed.
0: Yeah, when he sent you the first batch of songs, was it just a guitar? Was it a guitar with some words? No, How, no, it what, was. What it sounded
2: like a freaking record. Oh, and, and, a... and
0: my only response to him was, was I said, "Yeah,
2: sounds like the Marvelous <laughs> Three, except the bass player and the drummer aren't as good." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was just me. Like, and I'm not. I'm not a good drummer, but. <laughs>
0: When's the last time Marvelous 3 has done a live show in front of humans? Has that Mm. been recent or a while? So
1: these guys had, whenever I would do my own like shows in Atlanta solo um, and they were around, they would come out obviously because we would just, like for the encore and things like that. Yeah. And then then I'd drag them up. I'd be like, let's go, get up, let's go. And we'd get up and we'd play like one song. We'd play Freak of the Week. Freak of the Week because muscle memory works. Muscle memory. We we played
2: that one a bazillion times. And every time we we
1: played it, you know, it was like, the, the response was bananas, you know, obviously, because they would just, everybody would see us and be like, oh, because I, th- you know, a lot of the same people that are, that would come see me play were people that started seeing us when we were a band. And so those guys, I think the last time we did more than a, more than one song was um, at a, a cancer charity show I, that I would put on, I used to put on before COVID uh, in Topanga. And I had those guys come out as a surprise artist because I would have different artists play it as well as myself. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't reveal that it was going to be uh marvelous three. And they came out and we played like five songs, five, like five songs, marvelous yeah. Three songs. And of course it felt like a, you know, broken in pair of shoes. It was awesome. And, and of course everybody went nuts and it was like, you know, we could keep doing this the rest of our lives, just having like little like jam surprise, you know, reunions on stage doing one song. But That's just a tease, you know?
0: I've seen two dates where you guys are playing. One, I think it's Atlanta, right? Mm -hmm. And one is Chicago as of now? Yeah, we have
1: three nights in Atlanta and two nights in Chicago the following
0: weekend. Now, that's great for people out there. And that's good for your band. What about, (laughs) you know, this is my pitch to you guys. (laughs) What about a Thursday night at the Roxy? Then we need our rest on Friday and Saturday at Troubadour in one week. That would be fun. We don't have to go that far. We're going to fill it up. Yeah. The energy of you guys will be through the roof. Yeah. Play some of the new songs, play some of the old songs. We're I right there. I
1: can't say that 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 might not happen, you know. I mean it it, it could happen. We we we've gotten a lot of offers like the you know people sniffed around after we sold out. They all the shows sold out in like 30 minutes, so it was like we everybody wanted to like do a tour and do other shows and we we're like Fuck that. We need to make sure we're alive after five shows before (laughs) we book
2: anymore. No, I will fly in and have a nice meal and sleep in a nice hotel and get up and go down and uh, shake some hands and have a cocktail and and play a show, then go out and then catch plane home. I'm not getting on a bus (laughs) and and going and staying gone for two months and come back and you're in a bubble. Uh, Butch wrote a song on the new record, PTSD, and uh, go ahead and tell them what post-touring
0: PTSD Post-touring singer depression. Yeah. yeah, post-touring
1: singer's depression. <laughs> you
2: literally come home from tour, and th- you've been living in a bubble, and the rest mm-hmm. of the world kept going on. Yeah. And you're, you're trying to figure out where your place is in that. And when, when I saw that and when I heard the song, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember it. It's not just for him. It's, it, it comes directly from him. But for me, it's also uh,
1: PTSD, you know, yeah. bass player. It's yeah. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And we I just can't. Yeah. 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 Well, we didn't, we just didn't want this to become work again. Yep, and fun. work. Work is we overworked ourselves, and that's what killed us, you know. Right.
0: But but we my were, pitch to you is not work. My no. pitch to you, that's fun. And no, that's the merch that's like a residency. That that's fun. We're all gonna get the merch. Yes. Yeah, a little little L A residency, Sunset yeah. Strip, Santa Monica Boulevard, shit, right there. I'm way into
1: it, and okay. I, and I think we would all be into it. I think what we're we're doing is like we're gonna do these five shows and make sure that we're still standing, <laughs> and and if we're still standing after that, because we here we we're not kidding anybody. This this shit is hard to do. We were doing that stuff i was 28 when we were doing those shows and now being 53 it's going to be a lot to sing (laughs) but and slug's going to have a lot of work cut out for him on drums so we just want to make sure we're not on oxygen uh too much after the (laughs) five after the five shows because we're not going to phone it in we never have and never will i mean these shows are going to be ballistic i mean they're full out they're like Pyro and got LED stage screens design. and yeah. and snow snow and confetti and balloons. I mean, we always make it's it's going to be the party that it used to be, but times ten. So,
0: okay, Rage Against the Machine did all this prep to finally go back on tour, and lucky like a year, year and a half ago, and like ten minutes in, Zach tore his Achilles. Oh, I don't know if you heard, I've about never that. heard.
2: I've never heard a lead singer doing that. So I did that. You did that. He yeah. did that. So
0: I'm. So my <clears> point <throat> is, first song. Oh my. When did that happen?
1: At headlining a fest. We were playing no! a festival in Alabama on right at the beginning of the Ready Sex Go album tour cycle. Peanut Festival. It was the Peanut Festival. Peanut Festival. Oh and gosh. and we uh and it was a it was a huge crowd and uh first song I jumped up cuz I was you know I would climb up shit and jump you know doing what people did and do on stage if they're crazy like that and I uh fell I fell down and... Well, I didn't fall down. I landed on my feet, but it you felt like my foot, your foot went, went through, through the, the floor. Stain. Yeah, oh, God. that's what it felt like. I thought I thought I put a hole in the floor, and I looked down, and my foot was just lifeless and wobbling around, and I was and it had, and I had snapped my Achilles tendon in half.
0: Wow. Okay, I was on the right track. So my point of all this yeah. is, and I'm sorry that happened. Are you training yet? Are you eating healthy? Oh, are yeah. you avoiding fast food? Like, what's the regimen right
2: now? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, sixteen hour fastings and okay. and you know trying to do Which that on the on the them, pel- on the Peloton, all that stuff. But today I felt a little short. I was uh, probably I think about fifteen hours thirty two minutes in, and was fasting. coming coming here to you know hang out with you. Yeah, the wall and, came down, and I went oh oh, this is not going to be good because I get hangry, and I've trained myself for 16 hours, which is really good for me. So I whipped through a Carl's Jr. and got a a, a jalapeno double cheeseburger. <coughs> oh, my God. I, I
1: I'm, so jealous. I'm so jealous because oh, I'm
2: starving right now. Oh yeah. And but it was great, and I got up, and it was like I pull up, my C see Butch out front, and yeah. I've got it on my chin and my shirt. I'm in there trying to, you know. Pour water on my microfiber to get it off my shirt. Well,
1: we, you know what? (laughs) The the best thing about having to do all this is it gives you a purpose and it makes everybody like work hard. So everybody's working hard because we were not going to be that band that, like, I mean, I'm not going to name any names, but we're not, we don't want to be a band that, like, you look at their promo photo now when they're in their 50s or 60s or whatever, Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, that must hurt live to play. If, you know, they must be uncomfortable and we don't, we just, we're way more, we're way, we have too much pride. we're Back like, to we that freshman
2: prom date, you know, we're back to it, man. Picking well, out the, picking out the colors and picking out the Also fans are
1: suits. assholes, man. They will, they will be, they will be hard on us. If we don't go out there and like, and give it like we used to give it, they'll, they'll smell a rat
0: and yeah. there's going to be some folks that are going to bring their young ones with them cuz they want them to see you. That's and absolutely so you want to impress the young ones and maybe they're going to chip on the Marvelous 3 yeah. train. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: I think that's been a special moment for me is getting DMs on Instagram from teenagers that are like my parents Loved you guys, and we're so excited. It's so cool to get wow. to see y'all for the first time, or whatever. Or, you know, I had a couple go, like, well, we're going to the Chicago show, but it's, you know, we can't get in, it's already sold out. Can you please make sure you film because all the other uh films of you guys, you can't see it. It's like from the crowd, and you don't want to tell them it's like it's because there was no smartphones. <laughs> There was no video. Right. There was none of that, which probably kept us touring longer uh-huh. for multiple reasons <laughs> um, than we than we should have or could have. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but but then there's the the thing of now where it's like, yeah, hopefully we'll get you some good quality stuff out there now.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, well we're gonna actually. I mean, we're live streaming the shows. Uh, so they're going to be a paper stream and we're going to be streaming the Atlanta, the Atlanta shows. All That's a right. big announcement. He just made a big announcement. I made a big announcement. So this, I, so you're,
0: and where can we watch the stream of the shows in Atlanta?
1: Uh, there'll be, a, there'll be links that you can hit and you can go on and do it online and do it on your phone, do it on your TV, whatever. And then uh, it's going to be a multi-camera shoot, the whole thing. I mean, we're doing oh, like perfect. full multi-track recording. TV truck. Yeah, t- it's gonna, in, Yeah. It's going to be a real, a real thing. Uh, because there's a lot of people that couldn't for get, Saturday and you know, Sunday show, not Friday, we're uh, Atlanta, we're
2: gonna yeah. we're gonna get
0: one under the belt. yeah yeah, <laughs> right. let it, let Can't let it, be the opening catch our breath yeah, you know but I mean, uh, maybe there'll be a couple fun mistakes in the first one that maybe you wish you were filming. <laughs> well yeah, that's that's sometimes rehearsal, let's go with the rehearsal. We just I will say that. this.
2: we are filming, but it's not streaming Friday night, gotcha. We're filming every night in Atlanta and we're multi-tracking every night in yeah. Atlanta.
1: yeah, it's gonna be
0: it's gonna be awesome. All right. On my radio show now, we're heard in 45 different cities. If we're on fire, let it burn. Tell me about this song. I don't need to know the plot, but how did this one come together, Butch? Um, well, as Jay said a minute ago, he alluded to the fact
1: that that was the last thing we worked on in the, over, that, over the, the last weekend at my studio where we made the record. And um, it was literally just a riff. I remember I sent you guys a video <laughs> of the riff. and I didn't see it because it didn't
2: come through. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I what sent riff? them a video
1: <laughs> of the riff because I needed to remember how to play it by seeing it. <laughs> so I recorded a video of it of me playing it. And I was like, here's this is this riff could be fun. And we literally just like put it together like in I mean ten minutes. It was like, and that's how it always is, especially with us unspoken, unspoken, you know, a lot of like, vibe. And so. We, you know, Slug knew exactly what to do on the drums. Jace knew what to do on the bass, and then I had a melody, but I didn't have any lyrics. That might have been one of the only songs that was the case. Mm-hmm. The rest of them, I had lyrics for everything. So I was like, "You guys, let's just get the music down, and then I'll I'll get some words together." <clears throat> and luckily, <laughs> luckily, I I came up with lyrics, you know, within a couple of days, and uh, and then did the vocals on it. And it's you know, it's it we we just wanted it to be a, a classic Marvelous Three kind of a snotty. Fuck you, I'm gonna be fine. Song. If know.
0: we're on fire, let it burn the marvelous three on out of order. Okay, I'm gonna now I'm gonna get back into mm-hmm. something here. Butch, can you listen to artists that are you're not that familiar with as a fan? Or are you always listening with a producer and writer's hat on?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. Well, I mean, for, like the first thing I'll notice is, un- unfortunately, it's the blessing and the curse of of being a studio rat my whole life. And so like I'll listen to something and immediately, uh, you know, listen to it for the production. But after a couple of listens, I'm listening to it as a fan of the song. And um, I'm, I think just being a lyric person is the most important thing to me. Like, so when I hear something that resonates lyrically, it doesn't have to be super deep either. It just needs to be something that gives me a little knee jerk, you know. Um, that's always fun. So, and I'm, I'm still discovering music every day and falling in love every day with it and different artists. And, and I think that that's just, that's something you should never get. You should never grow out of, you know, no matter how old you are.
0: I always like songs and I don't realize how much I like them and takes me like a year where the melody of the song is so happy, but then I realize six months to a year, and oh my God, these lyrics are so dark. What a great combination of how to make songs. Does that resonate at all with you?
1: Absolutely. It's my favorite saying is, "I love beautiful melodies telling me terrible things." Oh my God. I love that. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that was someone like probably Tom Waits or Leonard Cohen who said that, but <laughs> but who are two of my favorites as well. So it's like that being said, it's it's a, it, a actually, I think I saw it on a peanuts. Cartoon. And I don't know if it was real. Right. It might've been like, you know, somebody like put uh, new copied uh, words over the thought bubbles. Yeah. But like, it was like, um, it was, it was Lucy and Schroeder, you know, and Schroeder's playing, or is it not, not Lucy? Who was, who was the crush on Schroeder, on Schroeder, the piano player. I don't remember Patty. Yeah, maybe Man so. Patty, Good. I was <laughs> I was thinking was just, maybe you saw sad. it on a
2: bottle cap of a uh, lucky they were, they were beer just, or something. Yeah, they
1: playing. says, "I love <laughs> I love beautiful melodies telling me terrible things." I was like, "That's so
0: perfect."
1: Yes, it's like that's my favorite. I love a I love a beautiful pop song that's like just dark. You know,
0: what do um, artists expect of you in your own mind when they want to work with you? What are they hoping like w- like when they come to the studio with you? Do they want you to bring out their rock side because maybe they're more from the pop world? Like, how does that happen? I
1: think a lot of things people want me to work with them on is songs. Uh, and I'm always down, you know, that's that's a big part of it for me is being a songwriter Um I, I really don't care how great the record is. If there's no songs, I don't care how great the singer is or how great the drummer is or how great the guitar player is. If there's no songs Right. and you, you know, there's a lot of people that just, that's their last, that's their last priority. They're getting the aesthetic, right. They're getting the song, right. They're I mean I mean, getting their, their sound, right. Um, uh, or the image or whatever, but, um, it's, I'm I'm hoping that they want to work with me because of songs, and that's something I feel like I can I can brag a little bit and say that I do know a little bit about, and it's a strong suit for me is songs and uh, and st- structure and melody and and whether or not it, the message is is coming across in it as well. So, um, you know, you get together with certain people for certain things. I think you get together with Rick Rubin not to uh, worry about songs because he's not a songwriter. He's more of a um, a vibe guy, or for lack of a better cliche, and a you taste know. guy. He's a taste guy, and he's a he's he's more of a visionary and more of a, a big picture guy, and that's that's huge. That's a big part of production, I think. So, you know, he's not like a knob turner. He doesn't really do any of the technical side of it. But I mean, he brought us some of the most inventive collaborations and creations of our day, and I think also the most. Um, Uh, you know, the most um, credible versions of some of these artists. I mean, you know, it's been pretty cool to see that path. So everybody's got a different uh, hat for producing. And sometimes it's being a a knob jockey and like being able to just turn the knobs and get great sounds. And so they go to that person for that because they're like, we're a band. We know what we want. Fuck it. We just want to sound good. We love the way your records sound. We're doing it. Uh, there's that. And then there's the Rick Rubin thing I said. And then there's also, you know, people that are like, you're a songsmith, So we need to, we need to work on our structures and our songs and our, and things like that. So production is many hats.
2: Yeah. I'm, it's funny. We were just talking about this out at my house. They, um, uh, yesterday, last night might've been this morning. Who knows? What is time? <laughs> uh, but it was the, uh, thing of everything that just, Bush just said to echo that, but different bands need different stuff, too. And artists need different things. Sometimes a band needs a like a, a person to mediate the conversations between them because they don't know how to communicate. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. Listen to this person. OK, you hear what they said? This is what they said. You are saying the same thing, but you're not you're not receiving it. and You're getting off target here. There's producers that, that are just great mediators out there. And then there's sure. there's there's Butch who can engineer, produce, and write songs. And then you got Rick Rubin. And then you know you got Bob Rock. Everybody has their gift sets, but it's it's what they bring, but it's also what the artist needs. They they need that's and picking the right producer, it's most of the time picking what they need. And sometimes it might be their blind spots that somebody has to point out, mm. that 360 thing. They don't know what they need. They think they need that, but they don't. They need this mm-hmm. and that. And a lot of times, a good producer can point that out to them because only uh, they will God. only listen to the producer because they won't listen to management. They won't listen to the other people in their band or whatever.
0: True.
2: And I've, I've watched. There's that.
1: that. That's that's a big one. It's like I don't <laughs> listen to my singer, or I, or the singer's like I don't listen to my guitar player. So we need a we need a moderator. You right. know, right?
0: There's that too. It feels like to me, and I'm an outsider in band studios, but I feel like, and you tell me, Butch, artists are more aware that if you need to give up some of your part in a song for the song to be better, it's easier to do for that person these days because they know, I don't know, it seems like there's more self-awareness and a hint less ego.
1: I think you're right. I think the trend's been, I've seen that. Um, You know, maybe when it was more of, when music was coming from, uh, being uh, a cast of virtuosos in the in the lineup. Um, it was hard to tell the guitar player you can't you, you shouldn't take a 16 bar solo yes, right That's what I yes. <laughs> That's one minute of a three minute song. Uh, I, I, you know that's a lost era and it's and that doesn't exist anymore really right now, but it's like I think that it's more a team player now and I think there's a lot of uh, especially with younger artists that I work with, I love it. They're a lot more emotionally mature uh, than, than we were when we were their age. And so it's, it's very cool to see that they're more open-minded about things like that. I mean, you know, I can play something on it and be like, just as a, as a placeholder and, and they'll, they'll be like, Oh man, that's amazing. We're keeping that. Well, I I was like, yeah, but I'm not in the band. And they're like, well, I don't care. I'll play it live. And that would have never flown, you know, years ago. So it's like, there's little things like that that are really exciting. I learn from people every day doing that job. You know, I learn from new from new artists all the time. I learn something new from them, the way that they just work and, and roll through life. It's cool.
0: I'm going to put you both on the spot, and I'm just thinking about it this second. There's this song called Somebody That I Used To Know by Gautier, yeah. which has almost 3 billion views now on YouTube. Crazy. crazy. What is it? I mean, I've listened to that song 10,000 times. I've played it on the radio 9,000 times. Watch the video What is it about that particular song that that'll never go away? Heavy metal people like it, hip-hop people. It's just, there's something to it. It's dark, and it's catchy. So
1: there's a little something for all walks of life in it, you know? Um, it's not a happy song. No. So people can relate to it in that way. Um, but it seems
0: like a children's... Nighttime mm-hmm. song in the beginning, yeah, like Twinkle te- Little yeah. Star. Yeah, a little it feels bit. like a nursery rhyme, almost. Yes. Yeah. And
1: there's that too. I think when a kid hears it, they probably can relate to it. I remember the first time my son, when he was really little and crying in the back seat, and at the time MGMT was big, and that song, um, let, uh, uh, uh what was it called? Um, oh, okay. Fade to Pretend or something like that. Okay. Um, do,
0: beep, 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 beep. You know that little well, that toy. of like little bit of almost. It was. It oh, a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a
1: little bit of a was bit of yeah. was little bit of a was like, of a little bit my a little bit of a little bit And i little bit of a little bit and a little bit and a and bit and a and bit it music is wow. primal and, yeah. and wow. the reason why and, the
2: nursery rhymes are called nursery rhymes
1: yeah that's right yeah <laughs> so like and, and i would sing my son brian wilson uh you know melodies and lyrics and songs uh to get him to stop crying and go to sleep so it's like it's very very in, instinctual and very primal i think so like yeah if you had something like you're talking about that song uh, uh by Gautier, it's like it it probably reaches, it had all these ingredients to like reach a very wide plethora of audience, you and know. It had, had the magic sauce. Yeah, it did. Because it is easily
2: digestible, but right. complex enough that it keeps you interested in leaning in always.
0: Yes,
1: so, you know. And yeah. it also had, fe- it featured Kimbra, who was, oh. Oh, f- when she starts
0: yelling at him. Yeah. Whoa. Oh my God. I love,
1: and I love her records. So yep. it's like, you know, there, there was like, it just made that song even cooler and made it even more appealing to me, you know? So. Right.
0: All right. Um, October 13th. I'll call it IV
1: or we call it four. It's four, but okay. like I was going to say, like when you see the artwork and the layout, yeah. it, it kind of goes both ways.
0: It's a full-length album and then we're going to celebrate 25 years of the Hey album. Mm-hmm. That's going to be released October 27th. There's shows in Chicago, Atlanta, find the streams for Atlanta and I've pitched it to the guys Troubadour one night and then two two nights later we go to the Roxy, full on party with merch. That's myself. I'm in. I'm in. You're in? Chase, what about you? You're no, I'm in. I'm always in, man. Okay. Jace lives
1: to... right down the road now, so he's here. So, yeah. Well, I'm here too, and I will be
0: right there screaming <laughs> and cheering you guys. guys on. Awesome, man. Okay, uh, thank you. We're going to wrap it right there. Cool. Thank you so much for being on my podcast and on my radio show. Thanks for having us, man. Okay, thank you. Thank you, and congratulations on a great career to you both. So that was fun. Thank that you. That was awesome.
2: That's another episode of Strikers Tuna on Toast. Promise it'll get better.
0: Most likely. For sure, (sighs) maybe.